All right, hey guys, it's Adam with the Dollar Bend. Uh, we have a very special Dollar Bend, special being that we posted one this week because they're all special, <laughs> goddammit. And um, <laughs> so it's Adam and, Adam and Terrence from Hello, the... Uh, we're going to be... Uh, Terrence is on Skype. I don't know if it matters that you know that. I guess it doesn't. Um, we're not in the same room, unfortunately. It's always... I always enjoy it more when I'm looking at the person being what? in the same room. You know, get, get fucking used to this because I think Skype works out pretty well for the dollar bin. Yeah, and they're still fun. You know, they're still fun. Totally agree. Not, not as cool. We just, not talked, like pizza we just talked for like an hour and you guys didn't hear any of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which, is, which is cool. So, <laughs> Terrence... Terrence and I, uh, we got together. Terrence actually, well, you 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 introduced this. Terrence, shit. Uh, basically, what what happened was um, a guy that both me and Adam are familiar with, uh, Andrew McLean. He is running a Kickstarter, uh, and he sort of sent out a call to action on his face page, where it was like, "Hey, does anybody want to help promote for Headlopper too?" And I was like. Uh, the dollar bin wants to. <laughs> yeah. If you miss Headlopper, it's number one. You need to actually uh, contribute to this Kickstarter because mm-hmm. you can get the first issue through the Kickstarter as well. Uh, hopefully, you guys will enjoy what what uh, we talked about. I thought it was a really fun conversation. Yeah. So um, before we get to that that interview with Andrew, Terrence and I are going to talk a little bit about this weekend. We are going to Colacon. Yes, what is like South Carolina? Columbia, South Carolina. (laughs) This is what the the third 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 annual Colacon. Yes, and this year, uh, this year is is definitely sort of um, kicking up the pace. You know what I mean? It's going to be different, man. (laughs) The last two last two years were in a uh, library, a museum. And yeah. uh, this is actually in a convention center this year. Yeah, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, yeah. I'm actually tabling with me and my buddy. Uh, his name is Putong. Uh, we are both going to be together at a table. I'm going to be trying to peddle some of my wares. But uh, honestly, I'm just really looking forward to having a good time. The whole weekend at Colacon is usually a lot of fun. They've got some really good musical acts this year. I'm interested to see how it plays out. This is very much the year where they want to put themselves on the map definitively. For me, Colacon's not necessarily... I mean, it's great to, you know, sell some conventions, sell some sketchbooks or whatever. It's very much about fostering sort of a relationship between two different communities, which is sort of the hip hop community and the comic community, which they're very tied together. They're very hand in hand. A lot, you know, a lot of comics are either based off hip hop or have some sort of tie to hip hop and vice versa for uh, hip hop to comics. So it's the fact that that they're trying to do all of this under one roof, uh, which is ambitious and um, kind of to be admired. Uh, to a degree but yeah like last year man it was like ghost face killer and five from tribe called quest were the headliners like back-to-back nights you don't really get to see that anywhere especially in the <laughs> south yeah. you don't get to hey son i'm in columbia south carolina what are you doing uh i'm watching ghost face killer right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> things don't things don't play out like that in the south so you know again kudos to Preach and the Colacon crew for for putting it all together. Um, and and again, I'm really excited about it because bigger venue, supposed to be a bigger event, a lot more exhibitors supposedly. Like I'm not really sure what to expect going into it this year. So this year he's actually he's uh you know the first year we had Tub Quali, second year you got Ghostface and Fife. So this year he's actually 
going for more of a uh, a new school, old school hip hop kind of feel. I guess Friday is going to be kind of the new school with Foreign Exchange. Yeah, um, yeah. Foreign Exchange is they they are uh, Grammy nominated. It's one of the guys from a group called Little Brother. Um, it's his name's Fonte. And the the producer, the beat maker for the group is a guy named Nicolay, uh, who is from some country overseas that I can't think of right now. <laughs> they met online, they sort of exchanged beats and like it started started becoming a kind of forming project based upon the fact that, you know, one was overseas and one was in the States. And uh, and it just worked out really well. And they make some really great songs. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan. Like, I'm a really a huge fan of them. I would be remiss if I didn't say I'm interested in seeing how Saturday plays out with Dead Prez headlining because they are militant. Dude, I am so excited about Dead Prez. <laughs> I am I super excited. Fucking about love Dead Prez. <laughs> and this is, you know what? This is a great opportunity for me to see them. You know what I mean? Like, I think this is a a, a really sort of interesting and creative environment for them to be performing in. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things is about this also is, you know, it does bring comics and hip-hop together, and one of the guests this year is a guest that's been working really hard to bring comics and hip-hop together, and that's Ed Piscor. <laughs> uh, damn Skippy. Uh, it, and you know what? Just to, and not to not to glaze over Ed, I want to make sure that we get back to, to what he says, or yeah, what yeah. we say about but the fact that they stacked this guest list with the bridge between comics and hip hop in mind, that's something that's very respectable in my opinion. It's not like they just, you know, shot a bunch of invitations out to artists or whatever. Like, you know, I'm not, not trying to be told, but like Adam Hughes has nothing to do with hip hop. Like, but <laughs> yeah. it's not like they were sending out invitations to him and all that stuff. It was, it was very much crafted. Uh, in the vein and in the in the mindset of of bridging the two together. So, you know, Ed Piscor is honestly the ambassador for both of them. Like he's <laughs> the ambassador for the pairing of hip hop and comics. So, I mean, with the whole hip hop family tree, I mean, not only is he kind of starting to blow up, at least in the underground comics world, hopefully it's getting a little bit more mainstream, but He's blowing up in the hip hop world, man. Like everyone is is catching on to this. And why wouldn't you? Like the guy is a historian. Oh god, yeah. There's no denying it. There's nothing, you know, he's on top of his shit in both categories and that's why you need somebody like Ed there. Uh Ron Wimberly is going to be there. To say the very least, I'm excited about it. Um Yeah, I'm really looking I'm looking forward to Ron Wimberly. I mean, you were talking about how they they really reached out to the whole idea of hip hop and comics and I think uh, the Prince of Cats that he did, man, I mean, it definitely, uh, God, it, it, it puts all sorts of things together, not just kind of hip-hop and uh, comics. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's Shakespeare it's, and yeah. hip-hop Shakespeare and, and, pop comics and, like, and ninjas know, and shit. Gang like, relations. It's, it's a, and <laughs> Ron's definitely uh, super relevant to this because I'm talking about a guy who's doing animation, storyboarding, and, and, and things like that. He's... You know, he's got Prince of Catch is sort of his, you know, tribute to all of that era. He's also doing a lot of like personal projects, which are, are hip hop and sort of uh, comics related as well. Because, you know, it's all fusion and it's all like Japanese culture um, versus hip hop culture versus comics and pop culture, which is cool. To a degree, it's the same thing that makes Samurai Champloo cool. You know what I mean? It's all of that kind of mixed together, which is why I really like Ron's work. I think they're also having Damien Scott there. Uh, he's done guy work uh, a lot at DC. He's got a very um, sort of hip hop influence, and uh, God, I don't like using hip hop in that descriptor a lot of the time. Yeah, 
but it's very like sort of graffiti influenced plus anime influenced type of work. And, and the guy is just super talented. He had one of those. Uh, you remember when DC was doing the solo stories? Yeah, yeah. I've got all of them. Yeah. Damien's got yeah. story in that. So, you know, that's kind of one of his bigger things. And, and they're going to have like Carl Jones there, who's obviously a, one of the main producers on Boondocks. Which, yeah. come on, man, if there's anything <laughs> in this comic, <laughs> if there's anything that has merged comics culture and hip-hop culture together yeah. and, and made it a very relevant part of the zeitgeist mainstream, you know, pop culture, that's, that's definitely one of them. So I'm, I'm excited to pretty much meet everybody that's going to be there. And it's, it's a very, um, I think the panels are going to be varied and, and interesting to, to visit as well. I'm like I said, I'm gonna catch you on Saturday. Good luck on Friday and, and I'll see you then. Thank you, sir. And again, good luck to everybody that's gonna be at Colocon. It's gonna be a hell of a good time and, and I'm looking forward to it, man. It's it's like a mini vacation for me. Yeah, and you can still get tickets and you can still get in also. You can do a Google search for C O L A Con Colocon. Exactly. Cola dash con dot com. If you're gonna be there, come see me and my homeboy Pooh. Gonna be uh at a, they haven't given us our number yet, but we will be there. I'll be peddling my goofy wares. Gonna have a few prints. Gonna have some con. Uh, well, <laughs> gonna gonna have some sketchbooks, and then I'll be doing con sketches there too. So everybody, come out and see us, and you will not regret coming to hang out at ColorCon. Awesome. Well, I'll see you on Saturday. Everybody else, I'm gonna go eat some pie and ice cream. Enjoy listening to the uh, Andrew McLean interview talking about Headlopper with Terrence and I. Hell yes. Headlopper number two. You got a Kickstarter going, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think we got uh, 17 days left and we're probably about uh, 70% through so far, I'd say. By the time I get this posted, which will be tomorrow night, people will be seeing this Wednesday. It'll be down to about 15 days. So everyone who's listening, you guys have 15 days, but there's no reason to wait that long to go <laughs> check the, the Kickstarter and uh, contribute to uh, the Headlopper number two. What's your quick pitch on Headlopper? What's, what do you tell people it's about? It's tough because I'm just awful at making anything <laughs> short, <laughs> short and clean. But I, I usually just tell folks that it's... Um, well, actually, when I get tired of saying the same thing at cons over and over again, I just start saying that it's a big guy with a big sword cutting heads off of big monsters. <laughs> I get tired of saying the same shit, but it is really, uh, it is really inspired by like uh, Arnold as Conan and by like the 1981 Clash of the Titans. It's supposed to be kind of the simple. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel with Headlopper. I'm just kind of trying to have fun in like a familiar, you know, zone. I'm not. There's a lot of books that are trying to reinvent the wheel, and I'm I'm not going to be able to do that, especially with this genre. And so uh, I should just tell folks it's you know in that vein, and uh, by default it's kind of in the vein of Hellboy. Actually, someone at New York said it was. Uh, a cross between Conan and Hellboy. And that was actually pretty accurate. I should probably start saying that. <laughs> that one's cleaner. <laughs> Where did you come from, Andrew? What's going on? I met you at Heroes this past year. I think Terrence actually pointed me in your direction. Yeah, I was kind of singing the praises of uh, Headlopper <laughs> uh, that entire show. So Yeah, I think actually I think that's where I met you for the first time too, right, Terrence? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that show. It's so good. I'm from uh, Massachusetts. I've kind of bounced around a little bit. Grew up in uh, central northern Massachusetts, then went to college in Boston, moved to Worcester for a while, then just outside New York City for a while, and now we're just uh, north of Boston again. But 
I just go wherever my wife needs me to go because all I need is the internet and a scanner, and I'm all set. <laughs> I spent most of my life in uh, in Maryland. My family is all from Massachusetts, outside of Boston. My aunt lives in Littleton. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> My uncle lives on the Cape, so I spend some time up there whenever I can. Yeah, is how do you like it? Is Maryland better? I don't, well, I'm in South Carolina now, so <laughs> it's hard to say. Uh, you know? Drop off there. <laughs> I know that anytime I go to Massachusetts, if I'm up there for a week, I come back and it, I at least have an accent for about two or three weeks before it goes back away. Ah, <laughs> uh, you poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you get um? Where did art start for you? I've always drawn, even when I was really, really little, you know, I don't know, two or whatever, as soon as I could, you know. I mean, any kid does really, but I just, like, really liked it. So I just never stopped. <laughs> and I just did it nonstop, you know, all through class my whole life, drawing in the margins or whatever. And uh, it just, I've just always done it, you know. And even and then even in, like, high school and everything, I wanted to draw comics, you know, when I, you know, quote, grow up or whatever. <laughs> But I had I had no I had no fucking clue what that even was. Like I didn't even I hadn't even drawn one. It was like I didn't know if it was a real job or if you drew like a comic page on the same piece of paper. I realize now, like I had no. <laughs> and then eventually, I, I didn't think about it much anymore because I was I got into music and I was in bands and everything, and that was a lot of fun because drawn you're just you know alone by yourself, but in a band it was you know you're just hanging out with your friends, you know, making a lot of noise. So, uh, so I got into that for a while, but then eventually I got, you know, after uh, college, I was just kind of like burned out on music and uh, comics just seemed like a lot of fun again. So for whatever reason, I, I just jumped back in and it's been so much fun. I can't imagine not, you know, drawing comics now, you know. So were you still taking like art classes and stuff back when you were kind of out of comics and doing music and stuff? Not really, because my, uh, like my high school was... I'm from like a small poor town and like we didn't have much of any program we had like offered like two art classes and I could like they never even fit me in for one until like my senior year or something like that so like it was really just always on my own for fun and uh my my very first attempt at college was a uh a community college and I did take uh like a drawing class there but I don't want to be there. So, like, I, I actually quit. <laughs> I quit so I could play in, in my band at the time. And it's just, I don't know. I just stopped. I just stopped drawing for a little while. Or I would do it just to, like, cool off at the end of the day or something like that. And uh, I didn't I didn't take it seriously again for a couple of years. So when you were drawing and you were into comics, where was your inspiration coming from? Well, it's, it's really strange because I, you know, I, I was a big Marvel fan as a kid, even in high school when, uh, when I could read comics. But we, any comics I got was from like the grocery store or something. And the likelihood that they were even going to buy the next issue in a miniseries was pretty slim. So I always, <laughs> you know, like my reading ended up turning into mostly just checking out art over and over again because... I pro I almost never got to hear you know read the end of a story, but eventually it was uh, I started to get out of that and I just started to get into like you know more like expressive art styles and stuff and then eventually I found uh, Hellboy and then that really was like all right I and then I, once I found Hellboy I just I I don't know if I bought more than like five Marvel comics since then you know and was, I don't know but that was years ago now <laughs> as far as I guess as far as like art goes. You know, you've got a style that looks like it takes years and years and years to develop. Um, where did like storytelling come in along with that? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's taken years. It's only been 
a few. I'm just not too afraid to throw out stuff that's not working. <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> we hang on to things too long, and I uh, really frustrated if something sucks, so I'll I'll toss it out together. So I've only been really trying to figure out what I'm doing for maybe three or four years or whatever. But in terms of actual like like storytelling outside of my like personal drawing style, I really. I take a lot from um, from like film, actually. Like I really love Quentin Tarantino. His, his subject matter, of course, is is rad. But I also love like <laughs> all. <laughs> I don't know, right? I love his uh, all of his colors and his like composition and shit like that, and his dialogue. So a lot of my like real storytelling technique, and then like I love uh, Stanley Kubrick. I like a lot of his like decisions for camera angles and stuff sometimes they seem like obvious they're like straightforward it's like the vanishing point is like dead center or whatever which seems like a pretty rudimentary way to go but he just sets it up in a way that's like really interesting so i kind of i don't know i i gravitate more towards that type of storytelling than stuff that i'd learned in a lot of comics I mean, obviously i mean obviously i think it's pretty clear that i do have a pretty strong mignola influence and i'm sure that's uh in nearly every panel as well you know Oh boy, yeah. I uh, I was uh, I was on DeviantArt the other day when some guy came in and made a Manuela comment about your style, which was just wholly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? In terms of people saying things about you know my work looking like Manuela's, I don't take offense to that per se because a I think it's a pretty obvious influence. I mean, my stuff is pretty shape based and. Uh, I think it's in the vein of Mignola, so I just expect that people are going to people are going to want to draw a comparison to something that they're familiar with, and uh, a lot of people are familiar with Mignola's work, so I expect that. I don't mind that too much. When people call me like, I think in this situation you're talking about, he actually called me a mimic, and I'm like, well, you probably didn't look. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't look that long enough. Then <laughs> I don't. I'm off a whole bunch of guys. <laughs> not. not <laughs> Do you have any? Do you have any formal comic book storytelling, sequential art training? No, no, not really. Just doing no. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just doing it. I mean, I don't know, which is weird. I, I gave a um, my friend uh, Bob Gale taught. He draws. Uh, I think he's drawing Transformers right now, or just wrapping up or something. He was teaching a class at uh, one of the Boston colleges of art. And uh, he asked me to go in, and it was like, I shouldn't be talking to these kids. Like, and just like, you know, shoot the shit with me. And I was like, I should be going. And they they officially have more comic training than I do. Who's this guy talking to us? But no, I, you know, I don't have any training, but um, I don't know. I kind of like that in a way, just because I have. I actually have a lot of music training, and because of that, I kind of got tired of making music once I realized. I could put a label on on every little thing that is music. It just it wasn't as fun anymore. You know what I mean. So I'm afraid if I actually had this like formal art training or something, it would be like it'd feel like math or some shit. You'd start following rules and things <laughs> yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Yeah, I'm yeah. almost set. <laughs> <laughs> you made mention earlier about how um, you know you you were really into music and you were playing in bands and. You know, that sort of like collaborative spirit, I guess, uh, really kind of drove you for a bit. It looks like that sort of transferred over to your art as well or to you as an artist. You've worked with a huge group of talent in your what seems to be sort of your uh, online baby. Uh, which online baby? There's a, there's a lot of babies. It's brand new nostalgia, correct? Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Brand new nostalgia was 
came about for a number of reasons. A, you know, like uh, as much fun as it is drawing comics, regardless of whether you write it or someone else, sometimes it's fun to just draw something just for fun, like a piece of fan art or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, that was kind of Brand Nostalgia was kind of an excuse for that, like a way to like have a schedule at least once a week, do a piece that's just for fun. You know what I mean? That's outside right. of drawing and, and panels and everything. That and there's a whole bunch of rad artists that that I was friends with that I'd met on DeviantArt or whatever. And they're amazing. And I didn't know. It seemed like more people needed to know their name. So I thought if we all came together <laughs> and, <laughs> and just had fun, you know, hopefully, you know, some others would benefit. I mean, some of them didn't need any more attention. I mean, I, like Dreadmore, I think, was already doing Luther Strode at the time. But there was a couple guys who would just, or even at the time, they might not have even been drawing comics at all. And I was like, well, you should be. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Right. <laughs> so yeah so so we did that for fun and to just team up and, and and do some stuff together and then eventually we we made kaboom box together so we all you know actually made comics together so yeah i mean yeah like i mentioned that's something you definitely lack in uh drawing comics that you do get in, in music you know what i mean from reading uh the, the head lopper number one I mean, it kind of has, I mean, it, it seems like you have carried kind of a, a musical storytelling along into your art style and your comics books, comic book sequential style as well. I mean, do you think of it that way? Do you kind of think of writing a comic as writing a song? Actually, you know, I kind of, I kind of do in a way. It's funny you say that. I don't, I don't really think of it so much as writing a song, but it's kind of like recording a song like i used to really like to um to record like i was always really into uh heavy metal i like all kinds of music but most of the music i wrote was metal and uh but i loved producing i loved recording songs because uh and then you, you have almost had like a tangible you know record of your song you know what i mean it wasn't just like like if you if you write a song it's just like in your head or on paper it, you know because it exists you know in time it's not like it's not like a, like a drawing exists like on a piece of paper. So like I, I do, all, it's funny you say that, I do often think of drawing a page or, or a piece, kind of like recording a song. You're like, wow, I got that done. Now I don't have to practice that song again. I don't have to <laughs> like that song a hundred times because I got, it, I got it done. So yeah, I do kind of think of it that way. Um, and then in case of Headlopper, I actually did want it to be, I actually do want Headlopper to be like really heavy metal. Yeah. It, it just seemed appropriate <laughs> for yes. <laughs> getting it there because i mean that's that's the very first thing i thought when i read it all the way through was man this is one of the most metal fucking things i've ever well good read. thanks awesome. so much well i like there's a handful of books a handful of comics out there that i'd call metal and not to take anything from them but i my goal is kind of to try to make a comic that you would dream like wow that is fucking metal but it had no <laughs> talk had no guitars or stages or, or drums or anything you know what i mean so like i wanted to be kind of uh this spirit of metal without any headbanging you know what I, mean? <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't wanna do like a metalocalypse book or something you know it's like the book actually needs a soundtrack to go with it like <laughs> I, I don't know if that's if that's what you do do you like have an idea of what songs are in each scene for for Headlopper because I would assume that you know you're at least listening to something while you're banging these pages out. Yeah, sort of. Uh, it's not so much that I'm uh, that I have songs in mind while I'm drawing because drawing is so slow. You know, <laughs> yeah, I can't no shit. It's like yeah, some people are like oh I listen to jazz or hip hop when I ink or something. Like it just takes so long to 
to drop anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I listen to, but <laughs> when I'm like, yeah, it doesn't. I you know I could listen to one second hip hop, next second like a soundtrack to you know uh, Tron, it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> uh, but when I'm actually plotting it, especially the action scenes, yeah, I, I'll, I'll I want I do kind of want that to to sync up to music. Not so much that I want it to sync up to music, or or more so it just forces. You know, if I'm listening to like a, a track that just really gets me amped up, it's just going to make whatever I'm coming up with for it, especially an action scene, to just be that much more amped up. Like I'll actually, and this is super inside and really really nerdy, but uh, for an actual action scene, like I'll find a track in, in this case, it's always metal that really gets me like amped up, and I'll actually just go to the gym and I'll put that song on on a treadmill, and then I'll imagine Norgal just dicing people. <laughs> Dyson on monsters or wolves or whatever, and, and but I'll try to slow myself down, you know, because it makes me want to run fast because it's coming on or whatever. But I'm like, all right, this is how fast Naruto would be running, except swinging a sword. And then I just try to, <laughs> I'll just try to remember whatever I came up with. Like, all right, that's what he does to the wolves and <laughs> or something. <laughs> Well, I mean, that that does lead sort of right into it. So because, again, this is a very personal project, uh, I'd assume. And, you know, sort of could you kind of give us a background of what spawned uh, Headlopper as a as a concept? It started as uh, you mentioned Brainy Nostalgia and uh, we did weekly themes. One week we did just the word Viking, however you wanted to interpret it. And I did what essentially became the first drawing of uh, Norgal and Agatha. It was a drawing of, you know, essentially Norgal, except with a more uh, He-Man type uh, outfit and like some like crazy helmet. And Agatha, or what would become Agatha, was like stuck on a sword. And I both liked the Viking and the head stuck to his sword. So I was like, I'm just going to use both of those <laughs> <laughs> and figure out a story to go along with it. So, but then when I was like, all right, what am I, what, you know, I wanted to do something. You know, sometimes I, you have an idea for a story, you know, you start there, then you need a character for it. In this case, it was just a character. I was like, what would I want this character to do? And it was it was pretty simple. I just wanted him to, to cut heads off of shit, you know, like <laughs> like <laughs> I have other stories where people have things like emotions. <laughs> but I was like, as a fan, what would be what kind of Viking book do I want to read? You know, I, the only thing I really care about when it comes to stuff like that is is the fights. So like it, it's it's I try to keep it pretty classic. It's not like uh Norgal's parents died when he was a kid or something. You know, I mean he's not <laughs> he's not uh he's not emotionally torn in some way. He just he just kills things and that really that's it. Fuck all that and get to the slicing. Yeah, exactly. And then I just write a story to make sure that there's a constant <laughs> you know siege of beats coming in his <laughs> Well, I think I think um, the interesting part about it is, is that, you know, it is a, a story about a guy who's really good at decapitating things. But <laughs> like you said earlier, though, it's really fun. Like it's actually I have I, I enjoy reading the book because it's just it's like ridiculous fantasy. Like it's exactly what I want to read when I want to wind down and like have fun when reading a book. Thanks. You know, that was really the goal big time. And, and when I sat down to write it. The main goal was to have something that I had written and drawn and, and had out available in 2013. You know, that was the major goal. And it didn't make sense to try to start 
some like super serious, you know, I don't know, deep plotted thing where I didn't know when I'd be able to return to it. You know what I mean? So I was like, no, nah, no, nah, if I'm going to do a Viking thing, it has to be just fun. I don't, I don't have it in me to, you know, have some, you know, I, I guess this is just my Viking story. It's the only way I know how to tell one, I guess, you know. I guess with that in mind, is is are, are you are you plotting it as like a big you know sort of overarching thing, or do you want to do like a series of one shots, or how how do you want to build that? I joke that it's like simple and there's nothing going on except uh, heads being cut off, but it has like probably about five chapters. It is an ongoing series, and it's a legitimate plot. It's just I, I based it on a skeleton. That's pretty simple. I just wanted to a way to set up a series of trials in front of Norval and Agatha. That way, each each issue, he can essentially overcome, you know, said trials, you know, essentially cut the head off of another beast that's put in front of him. But each beast is not like random. He's not just walking through fields or mountains and stuff. He's on, you know, in issue two, we learn about this, you know, journey that he's he's kind of on and why he's on it. So it does make sense. You know, at its at its core, it is about cutting heads off monsters. <laughs> As a reader, I like the fact that you know you are kind of building towards the end game, even though each piece is readable separate. Yeah, it is, and, and the goal is for it to be fun, but um, it's not. The goal isn't to make it a hundred percent action either. Uh, you know, issue one, I want there to be, I want it to be like a real kick in the face intro to everything that you can expect going forward. So I uh, I spend like. I don't know, 13 or 15 pages on the, on the monster fight and that. Well, I can't do that every time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the plot has to move forward, but I, I'm going to still do that as much as I can. You know what I mean? Awesome. Well, with uh, with issue two that you've got the Kickstarter going for right now, it's, uh, so it's 50 pages, correct? Yeah, the story is 40 pages, and then the uh, economy is... Yeah, well, the other thing that I wanted to do, part of wanting Headlopper to just be fun is that I didn't I don't really want to conform to like the 22 page kind of like standard of comics I just want to tell the story the way I want to tell it and I want to stop each issue or chapter where it feels good rather than like where I run out of pages so like there in issue one there was uh a lot of action heavy at the front end and in the back end we just kind of like I kind of set up some dynamics in issue one, I didn't really like push the plot forward too much. You kind of just like you get a couple like questions, maybe. So I, I felt like I had a lot of plot to make up in issue two to just get the ball rolling. I didn't want to be running into like issue three and you still be like, so where are we going with this? So, but I also didn't want to sacrifice any action. So I just made chapter two longer, you know? So I was like, <laughs> I don't want to like bog everyone down with the new characters in any info dumps or anything. I still want it to be interesting and I still want there to be some sweet action. So I just made it longer because you can, you know, like, if I'm going to print it, I don't, I don't have to make it 22 pages. So I said, fuck it. And it's 40. So (laughs) are you done with headlopper too? I'm not, I haven't actually, I have scripted it all and gone through a bunch of editing for it, but I haven't actually started drawing it yet. I want to do a whole bunch of, I've been working on a a series of like ink and watercolor pieces, Mm -hmm partly to help promote the Kickstarter and also because I've offered them as uh, rewards for backers. Yeah. Uh, so I've still got a handful of those to do before I start the um, pages. And also I'm drawing 
Department O and doing these paintings at the same time and bouncing back and forth. So I want to do those first. It's also cool because, A, if we're lucky enough to need a stretch goal, I'd love to do like an art of headlopper stretch goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very nice. Yeah, it would be fun if, if the uh, money's there. I'd have to check, but in numbers, then you go for all that boring stuff. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> plus, they're fun because for me to slow down and do all these, uh, these ink in watercolor pieces, I actually have to. Sometimes you, you get rushed and then you're drawing. It's still fun to be drawing a book and you're like, drawing this character that's really important and yet you know you could count the number of times you've already drawn him like on one hand and you're like you really want to nail every time so before starting these pages doing all these extra paintings really gets me a chance to like practice the new characters and and go over and fine-tune some of the monsters i want to bring in and stuff like that so it's kind of a, a dual uh purpose project here so so i'm gonna do those before i start the pages but yeah it's fully scripted and uh I think it's pretty decent. I like it anyways. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> it's like, I fucking hate it. I think it's doing terrible. It anyway. <laughs> We're all going to hate it. <laughs> one, of the, one of the really cool parts about the first uh, book um, was that you did have a lot of your friends kind of contribute, you know, pinups for the for the back end of it. Are there any names you can drop that are going to be in this one? Yeah, I'll say a couple. There's, I have a, a bunch of people who have said yes, a handful more who have said like, you know, maybe if I have time. So I'm gonna all omit a few that <laughs> I'm not entirely <laughs> confident that they'll show up. But as far for absolutely definitely, I've got um, Max Fiumara, nice. one of the awesome guys on BPRD. I've got uh, Troy Nixie, who's another madman. I have uh, Michael Avon Oming. He just started his today, actually, I think. And I've seen the pencils for one from um, Paul Mayberry as well. The others are still like, well, it'll probably show up, but I haven't seen pencils or anything. So just, <laughs> just in case they get too busy, I don't want them to feel obligated. Because, you know, it's you're asking for favors when you ask people yeah. to do a pen. You know what I mean? So I do want to get into the the Headlopper Kickstarter and all that. But before I get into that, what other projects have you worked on? What other things out there have uh, Andrew McLean's name on them? My very first book that actually got printed was a book called Meat Space. I did that a couple of years ago. Uh, something that Josh Gorfan had written. Right after that, I started drawing a miniseries called Colonial Souls. Mm-hmm. It was written by uh, Nolan Jones and. Uh, he wanted to wait until it was all done before it's printed, and I was drawing a bunch of stuff kind of simultaneously. So even though it was like this issue one is the second book I think I ever drew, it took me like a year to finish the whole series because I was drawing a bunch of stuff in between. So I finished drawing that issue four maybe, I don't know, a month ago or so. Yeah. So I drew that, and then I, and I drew Headlopper one, of course. Uh, I've been working on a series called uh, Department O, I'm drawing issue two right now. Uh, there's been a handful of uh, like anthology pieces throughout. Brand New Nostalgia guys have done a book. It's at the printer right now, actually. I did uh, anthology outlaw territories with uh, Image. And I actually have a uh, Dark Horse Presents story called Snip Snip out actually Wednesday. And I think about it. I did. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, and I did. Uh, I had a, another story in volume one of Bad Karma. I don't know, just a handful of stuff. Not not a lot, but I've kept uh, pretty busy. Yeah, you're staying busy. It seems like a lot of like you're working on a lot of it at one time. Does that just like fizzle you out, or are you just uh, a machine? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I am a bit of a machine. I think by necessity, it's kind of like this is my only job, and I'm still I'm really under the radar, so I have to take on. For a long time, I said yes to everything, assuming that there'd be gaps. You know, because you know a lot of these. It's not like there's a lot of budget, you know, behind anything. So people are like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have you know a script for you next week, and we'll get rolling on it. Well, I learned pretty quick that it usually doesn't happen. <laughs> so I just used to say like I would just say yes to anything that came down the pipe, even if they were like quote you know do at the same time because and I knew in all likelihood they wouldn't be, you know. So I just I just kept saying yes to anything, and now I've said I've kind of. Uh, not that I've screwed myself, but I've just busied myself enough that I've had to start like, all right, chill, you know, just like focus, <laughs> focus on uh, just a slight handful of things. I mean, that, but that was it. You know, I just kind of, I stuck my work schedules just based on my wife's so that I, I keep myself to a regular person's sleep schedule. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I just figure if I, if I make my work schedule a normal jobs work schedule, I should by default, you know, put in that much time. So it it, it kind of keeps me on track, I think. So is Headlopper your main focus? Yeah, I, I suppose so. It's tough. <laughs> I, it's not the only thing that I'm I'm writing right now. I'd say that any book that is uh that I write is uh I love equally, you know. It's um like I said I have a snip snip thing in Dark Horse mm-hmm. uh presents this this month and the the characters for uh snip snip I have you know, a whole mini series plotted out for them. So they're just as, you know, precious to me as like Norgal and Agatha or anything like that. But Headlopper is the one that I'm writing. That's kind of rolling or rolling along at a legitimate pace. So yeah, I guess so. I guess it's the one I cherish the most. I just, I just started a, uh, a graphic novel as well. I can't, uh, (laughs) well, I'm getting hand cramps just thinking about this. thing. Oh, yeah, that one's got all that's got me a little stressed now. <laughs> you say yes enough times, you start getting yourself nervous. But yeah, I can't talk too much about it, but uh, I I guess the point is that apart from Headlocker, that would be you know I guess the most precious to me. The first time uh, with with Headlocker number one, you you basically you went out on a limb with and just did everything yourself. You paid for it all up front. And uh, you said one of the reasons you're doing the Kickstarter is just because of the huge financial burden that put. What's your plan with the Kickstarter? You, 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 I guess you had to have gone through it the first time, and now you're planning numbers and stuff like that, huh? Yeah. One of the tough parts about doing uh, the first issue was not only did we have to pay for it out of our pockets, we didn't have the luxury of seeing if anyone, you know, watching the numbers for an issue one. You know, issue one was the first issue. And we'd also just paid for a print run of Department O. Uh, we wanted another printing to take to cons for 2013. So we just ordered a bunch of books. So we were like really strapped for cash. So we started out, we could only afford to order 100 books on our first print run of uh, Headlopper. And as soon as we got them, we literally ordered more right away because Heroes was right then and I started taking pre-orders and we're like, we didn't order nearly enough. So we were only ordering, yeah, it, it was... It's unfortunate doing that way because it jacks up the cost per book big time. You know, we've had a handful of different print runs for the first issue. So uh, the price per book has changed. But there were times we were paying per book more than I would have liked to sell it for to the reader. You know what I mean? 
and that's just because we couldn't afford to print, say, like a thousand books or something. You know, you print like that's kind of seems like the magic number. Like once you hit a thousand, the price per book kind of like comes down to a little bit more reasonable level. And uh, we just wouldn't be able to afford that reasonable level unless we did a Kickstarter. So, I mean, I'm going to do the book either way, but with a Kickstarter, it'll be more affordable for people. It'll be much, much faster. But yeah, and again, that's really it, is that I didn't like selling Headlopper for as much as uh, as it costs. I mean, I, I, it has premium papers and stuff because I wanted it to be like a nice, you know, I wanted it to like look nice, like nice colors. I didn't want it to be glossy or anything. So, I mean, it's, it is it is my fault it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But uh, if I can, if I can still get what I want and then get the price down, that would be helpful. And the Kickstarter will, would do that for for us. Heroes is where I was able to kind of jump in on the on the Headlopper bandwagon, as it were. Was that show sort of like the the jump start, or was it had you be getting good reception before then, or or uh, how, how did that work out for you? That was the debut. Like I, the copies that I sold at Heroes were the absolute first copies that I sold. I had some uh, orders. I'd set up a, a store to take orders, and so there's orders in there, but I didn't have the issues yet to send them out. They were still in the mail, so you know that was it. You were one of the first. My question, this question, <laughs> this question is more for Terrence, I guess. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Why? Why? Well, okay. So, <laughs> so he- the first headloppers were at Heroes, okay? And when I got to Heroes on, I don't know, what, Thursday, I guess probably Thursday at, y- at your house, the day before Heroes, I mean, yeah. you had talked about Andrew and you said, okay, you got to go check out Andrew's stuff. You got to check out Headlopper. I, and I think like the next day we went and did that. I mean, where the hell did where the hell did you catch on to this? Well, dude. Uh, <laughs> so I have been watching Andrew uh, just you know via DeviantArt and just various online presences before because I'm an art dude. I love art. I'd like to draw too. So I mean, you know, I, I totally understand sort of the artists' you know plight and what they do. And for me, it was like a very singular vision. I really liked. I just really like his art style. And at that point I was like, this shit looks it's five times more metal than Thor right now. And, <laughs> and it just looks like a good time. Like this book looks like something that I can, you know, it's going to engage me on both the sort of primal, like rip shit apart level. And there's going to be Viking mythological a little bit. And it's got a lot of elements of fantasy. It's just like all the shit. It's like a, it's like a fucking, you got my chocolate and my peanut butter. Like that's an awesome, (laughs) it's just, it's just an awesome setup for me. And I, you know, come on, man. Like he was working on it and, you know, posting things about it. And by the time heroes came around, I was like, I really hope this fucking book is available. And sure as shit. As soon as I went, you know, that, that was one of the first tables I actually went to uh, on Friday and the book was available. And I was like, yeah, sign me up right now. <laughs> Andrew, how do you like doing like commissions and stuff at cons? Because I know I know the sort of the I don't know if it's pressure or whatever. It's different for each artist. You know what I mean? Some some people like really love doing commissions at shows. Other people, not so much. But you seem to hammer out pretty much everything that I've seen that that you know has gone up on comic art fans or been posted online. What's what's your take on that kind of stuff? Uh, I actually really had a hard time with it at first because uh, there's like no way you're gonna do your best work at a show. Hey, you're trying to be social, and I, I always feel awkward because you you got your head down, you know, you're drawing. <laughs> 
are like you don't even know if someone's at your table trying to get your attention but uh also you just you're not giving away your best work you know and people are paying money for it and they're they're being nice and you want to be nice and and it's already it's already weird enough asking someone to pay for something you know what i mean that you used to do you know when you're a kid you know you still <laughs> So the whole the whole thing's a, is can be a little uncomfortable, but then you just know that your work's not going to be that good. You know, like at home, you I got like two lamps and my like chair is set to the perfect height. You know, I got <laughs> music on and all these like you know I'm baby. So then like you get used to that, and then now you're drawing like in your lap, and it doesn't come yeah. out good. So eventually, I just started to um, I realized that a couple things: a I couldn't use the same tools at home as I'm going to use at a con. So like I use a brush at home, but I use pens at a convention because I'm in my lap, you know, it's just, right. I can't get the same strokes in my lap <laughs> as at a table. Uh, and the other thing I realized, Andrew McLean. <laughs> the other thing I realized was that I'm probably just not going to like it, you know, like no matter. So I just set out thinking, you know what, I might, I'm probably not going to like this, but it doesn't mean that, someone else might not and then once i i just let that go and i was just like use different tools and just be like yeah this might not be your best work i actually found that i started to do better con sketches and now i don't mind i, I don't mind them at all I, I think it's fun cool did you hit a lot of cons this season not a ton we hit basically as many as we could afford which was maybe like six or seven which is a fair amount like you know that's seven weekend trips so that it does get tiring but we would have done more if we could have afforded it. And we'll try again next year. But it adds up, especially if, if you have to like travel someplace where you got to fly or even drive far, get a hotel. Some places have like really expensive tables. We hit it as hard as we could, I guess. Are you planning for Heroes next year, Heroes Con? Yeah, I love Heroes. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a ton of fun. The, uh, the fans who go to that, they really seem to like you know, artists, they, they're not going to buy, you know, like, they're not there to buy, like, Iron Man pajamas or something, you know. They're, like, <laughs> they're curious, and they and they want to hang out and have fun. And not only that, for whatever reason, the artists, they all seem to be in, like, a really good mood. Like, you know, they're all drinking, laughing, having fun. And, uh, and yeah, I even like the town. Like, Charlotte's a cool place. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if I ever missed it. And, and the, I don't know, everything about it. The guys who put on who put on the show, they're always so nice to us. Like, so they're nicer than any other show has ever been to me. So it's, I feel like I owe them, you know, like I really appreciate it. Sounds good. 